The following is a production of cprundown.com. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this podcast are those of the individual and not of any affiliated companies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rundown on Fun, a weekly podcast covering the Cedar Fair Entertainment Company, the amusement industry, and the business of fun. Here are your hosts, Karsten Anderson, Evan Schultz, and Kyle Hu. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Rundown on Fun, a weekly podcast where we cover Cedar Fair, Cedar Point, and everything to do with fun. And right at the top, before we get into anything else, we just wanted to preface this show by saying uh, the Ohio area is getting battered by a brutal storm right now. So if we drop out or anybody loses power, at least you're aware of what happened. Um, We won't hone on that too long. But joining us this week is Michael Graham from the Gravity Group. So we're going to go ahead and kind of interview him, talk to him, and just have a fun conversation. So absolutely, Michael, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, well, thanks. It's great to be on here. Uh, I'm a fellow Ohioan, so uh, I have uh, spent half of my time up by Cedar Point and half of my time uh, down at Kings Island in my life. So awesome. I am a fair weather Ohio sports fan and a dedicated amusement park fan of Ohio. Are you awesome. Browns or are you uh, Bengals? Yes. <laughs> fair weather means whoever's winning so Bengals. so right now go joe burrow yeah yeah actually my there team's fc cincinnati which is doing amazing uh yeah my mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. team's a crew so you know they're doing pretty good too but yeah this is the year and of you, fc cincinnati right now so so you're just fans of two bitter rivals hey you know <laughs> i don't i don't have the black and yellow that mm. is good that is true <laughs> for all those people in pittsburgh no shout yeah. out to you yeah well we don't cover kennywood so it's okay yeah, yeah right <laughs> all right what so, if there were cedar fair park though would you have to cover them we probably Ooh, would I mean, Ooh, deep. yeah yeah, yeah unfortunately they kind of be our it says it lad, child, but down on our list though. yeah it says it right there i gotta say the show, i do cedar i fair. do love kennywood even though they yeah. you know sport the yellow and black but that's okay of course of course that's some good coasters there all right. So to start things off, Michael, could you tell us uh, first a little about a little bit about yourself, and then second, uh, what your role is at Gravity Group? Yeah, uh, a little bit about myself. I am a father of three girls, um, and been married for quite a few years. Um, my uh, eldest daughter is thirteen. I got a middle daughter of ten, and a youngest daughter of eight. All of which can now uh, ride all the 54-inch height requirement rides at Kings Island. So awesome. uh, yeah, it's a good time now. It's uh, we kind of graduated from you know having zoo passes to you know <laughs> Kings Island passes for the last few years. And um, so yeah, I live in uh, Cincinnati area. I eat plenty of Skyline chili uh, and other Cincinnati-style <laughs> chilies. Um, <Good> man, <laughs> that could be a different podcast all all together as well. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Elyria, Ohio, which is halfway between Cedar Point and Cleveland. So um, yeah, we we went to Cedar Point all the time growing up, and uh, you know that was uh, certainly one of the key factors of me, you know, having a passion for the uh, you know the product of the roller coaster as well as for just uh, amusement parks and theme parks as well. That's cool. That's and uh, uh, so yeah, the uh, my current title and my title for the last 20 years uh, has been uh, one of the owners of the Gravity Group. I was one of the founders and engineer uh, at the Gravity Group 
we come up with different titles because technically on paper, um, the business side of things, the Gravity Group is an LLC, which is a limited liability company. And the people who run that are called member managers, which pretty much means nothing. So <laughs> usually we, we have a, more of a description. We just say engineer and principal or engineer and owner or something like that. So usually that's kind of a little bit more clear from a communication point of view of uh, what we're trying to say there. So yeah, Corey uh, Keepert, Chad Miller, Larry Bill, and I founded Gravity Group back in 2002. So we celebrated wow. our 20th anniversary last last year. And uh, it's kind of mind boggling because uh, you know, we were all the engineers at Custom Coasters. And uh, you know, after we were let go and the company went bankrupt, we were like, hey, what do we do? And so we're like, well, yeah. we like doing coasters. That's why we were here. <laughs> nice. And so uh, we kind of is, is that why is that why the headquarters and everything is kind of like down south in Ohio and not like you know up here in northern Ohio like the Elyria area and stuff? Yes, exactly. So okay. you have, um, uh, you know, it goes back to Charlie Din. Uh, Charlie Din was the uh, main builder of the Beast at Kings Island, um, and he had a strong relationship at the time with all the, uh, um, you know, Kiko Entertainment or uh, Kings Entertainment. Uh, corporation. So uh, he did a lot of work with them uh, before and after he was with Kings Island. So after he built the Beast, um, he went and founded DinCorp. So DinCorp worked with uh, Kurt Summers uh, Engineering uh, here in Cincinnati. And uh, I believe Kurt Summers was brought into Kings Island, particularly for Eiffel Tower and other structural things. So they did a lot of stuff that was not coaster related. In fact, their coaster world was actually kind of small compared to all the stuff they did but that's where larry bill got his start um and then um in 1991 if i'm not mistaken our big solid wood structure of the main street was built mm -hmm. at, at cedar yeah. point mm -hmm. uh and shortly thereafter uh, uh dincorp closed and uh actually curtis summers i believe died that year uh so that's when you know that um kurt kurt summers you know kind of went a separate way or you know that kind of went under mm -hmm. um, and it was about that time when custom coasters was being started by uh, Charlie's daughter Denise uh, I was very much a family company um, Denise's husband Randy um, at the time and her mother June Charlie's wife they were you know kind of the the core of custom coasters and then they had our engineering team to you know help them out essentially so um, you know custom coasters went from 92 to 2002 so Din Corp was 10 years and Custom Coasters was 10 years. And then uh, we've doubled that. So that's, uh, I guess, a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Sure. And you're off to a pretty heck of a start with what you, with some of the products you guys have put out. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. And that gravity um, <laughs> I was going to say, what, what, was, what was the first coaster that was like, this is a gravity group roller coaster? Like what 80s. is... 80s. Yeah. Okay. Hades was uh, certainly go our, big or our go home, choice. huh? What's that? <laughs> go big or go home, huh? Pretty much. Well, it was Hades and then Voyage, so it's like okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you're off to a roll and start there. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to kind of follow up, you know, those in some regards because they had so much, you know, land or you know, height and budget and everything else uh, to mm -hmm. make it work. So, um, yeah, at the beginning, um, we just worked as an engineering company. Uh, we worked directly with the parks. Uh, the, what we found when we were helping uh, Cliffs Amusement Park uh, finish up New Mexico Rattler, 
uh, because it's right in the middle of that project when custom coasters went bankrupt. So the park had a half-built coaster, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty lousy situation to be in. They obviously had our phone our phone numbers and stuff, so we helped them out on the engineering side of things. Uh, and what they did is they just hired all the crew that was there uh, who no longer had a job through custom coasters. So they had all the same people uh, really getting the ride done. Uh, and mm -hmm. so that that crew was kind of the the core group that we used for a lot of the early custom coasters projects. We still use some of those guys today. Awesome. So, um, awesome. so, you know, it, for a while there, we were working, you know, for the parks. Um, and then uh, a little while later, we set up Gravity Craft Corporation, which handled uh, more of the product turnkey supply. So um, Gronel and Twister, I believe, was the first uh, turnkey product that we put out. Uh, that obviously included the, the Timberliner trains in 2011, uh, along with mm -hmm. Quasi. Cool, cool. Good stuff. All right. So our next question is, can you talk about some of the projects you've done for uh, Cedar Fair in the past couple of years? Obviously, you know, we have the Beast and the Racer both at Kings Island and then Grizzly at Kings Dominion this year. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, COVID was a tough year for everybody. And um, what, what fortunately happened right before COVID is we developed our engineered pre-cut track. A lot of you guys have heard about that. Um, obviously, we don't have it at Cedar Point yet. Um, the yeah, sorry, it wasn't really a big yet. <laughs> just, just a statement. Uh, yes, I would love to put it on Blue Streak. No question about it. Uh, one of the first rides I thought of when we started developing it. But yeah. um, you know, in due time, potentially, you know, everybody, uh, all parks have their own maintenance plans. Um, so in uh, 2019, uh, we installed our first engineered pre-cut track at Kentucky Flyer. Uh, so we did a couple of test sections on that ride and um, it was kind of that was the 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 leapfrog the litmus test and we're like wow this stuff is this is going to be really really awesome so we pitched that to um, uh, to to Kings Island um, and it really worked out well because we had a crew um, over in France working on one of the earlier years of Tenard de Zeus uh, we did a, obviously a multi-year project over there um, and, uh, we were hoping to get some engineer pre-cut track at, uh, Kings Island here. This was, um, and so, but that's when COVID hit. So the world mm -hmm. shuts down and we're like, oh crap, what do we do? You know, we're, <laughs> um, as much as I would love to say we were an essential business, it's <laughs> hard to, hard to qualify that, you know, we were like mental health, like, you know, we, you know, posters <laughs> are essential for, you yeah. know, people, you I know, mean, I think our listeners would agree with that. So I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Um, yeah. So, but it turns out that, you know, we were able to, you know, keep stuff rolling. Um, and, you know, as the stuff developed, we're like, okay, it looks like engineer pre-cut track is going to work on racer really well. And, um, you know, at the time we couldn't travel and, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, Kings Island was on the way home for many of us. Uh, you know, a lot of us, we were working from home as well. So, um, you know, we were able to do that project. If you look at some of the videos that have been published about the, um, you know, about the engineer pre-cut track, you can see that, you know, they're wearing their masks and stuff like that in the racer videos. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it worked out well. It was, uh, you know, if you haven't been down to racer, uh, basically 660 feet, um, of the racer was redone in, uh, 2021. 
the outbound section of the red and the blue side, about 330 feet on each side. Um, and it really was, you know, pretty eye-opening, I think, to everybody. We're like, wow, this can be a really smooth wooden coaster. You can oh, yeah. tell just from the feel of it that it's not going to be getting rough anytime soon. Um, yeah. And it just creates a new experience. In this case, we were able to modify the profile a little bit to add some uh, airtime that, you know, John Allen might have added if he had the tools that we had today. And uh, just really turned out as a really great project. So, so we were really happy with that. Uh, Kings Island was happy with that. And so then, um, you know, for 2022, uh, we did a, a big section of Beast or a couple sections of Beast. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, total, yeah. I think our section was about 1,200 feet of track. We worked with the park with uh, some additional tra traditional tracking, giving them some numbers and stuff. Uh, for a total of about 2,000 of the 7,400 feet of track on B. So there was no doubt it was a beast of a project. Um, <laughs> if you want to consider that a pun, you can. If if, if you don't, that's fine, too. Uh, my kids don't like my dad jokes, just just putting that out there. So whenever I tell a dad joke, they, um, I don't know, some show they were watching, they, um, uh, there was like something about elbow swords. And there's you know, some type of like swords that came out of the elbows. And so, like, every time I do a dad joke, they come and, you know, elbow me in the belly and elbow sword. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, every time you say one, you're, like, you're bracing yeah. for it. Right? Uh, <laughs> where, where's it at? Or looking behind your back. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm fully expecting one of our uh, 40,000 listeners to come and give me an elbow sword sometime. <laughs> see him at a park or something. Yeah, you never know. You never yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, so on the beast, we some did. Crazy, uh, there's some crazy enthusiasts out there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I don't really invite that. Just maybe I should make it clear. <laughs> just <a> disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so back to the beast. Yeah, we did uh, the first drop and the first curve to the left. Uh, they had a lot of issues with maintenance on that ride over the years, um, as you might expect. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty foundationally different ride design um, than had been ever done before. Uh, and that was definitely something that... Uh, you know, Al Collins and Jeff Gramke and Charlie Den, you know, wanted to create this this new ride idea. You know, you look at the rides at the time, I believe Screaming Eagle was the last John Allen, you know, and right before that was a lot of the Cedar Fair racing coasters. And, you know, that's that's the style of wood coaster at the time of the beast. So mm -hmm. you have this thing that stays on the ground. It's kind of like the the wood coaster answer to the mine train. And uh it's like, whoa, what is that? It was, you know, very, very different at the time and uh, very foundational. Um, so, you know, when we were working with it, um, you know, there was definitely some areas that, uh, you know, just needed some modern engineering touches to it. Uh, and so, um, yeah, the park did a little bit of work going into the break, the first brake shed uh, on top of that. And then also coming out of the brake shed into the left uh uh, connector tunnel, as they call it. I like to call it a horseshoe tunnel, the one that's mm -hmm. uh, mostly underground. Um, and then also the Helix got uh, a lot of work done on it, a lot of restructuring going into the Helix uh, both times. Uh, and we also capped that with uh, engineered pre-cut track all the way around. So, uh, yeah, it was a huge project um, and, you know, definitely something where uh, it's just kind of leapfrog that into its nef next uh, chapter of life. Um, and you know, you get, I, I think Cedar fair and Kings Island in particular, you get kind of 
fatigued by the amount of wood coaster track that needs to be maintained every year. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they were looking for a solution that's a longer term solution. Uh, and so uh, it worked out really well. Um, the little background of it, I guess this would be a good time to say. So um, what is engineered pre-cut track? Basically, it's it's stronger, smarter use of wood. Uh, so instead of using the wood traditionally, uh, typically uh, laminates are laid for a wood coaster track horizontally. So think about a deck of cards. Uh, you can bend that deck of cards. Um, however, if you um, have the deck of cards and you rotate them vertically, you can't bend them that way. So there's like one of the directions is strong and one of them is weak. And so um, what we did with the engineer pre-cut track, uh, we have horizontal and vertical uh, styles. The vertical style uses that um, that strength. And so instead of bending it in uh, the shape of the hills, you're actually cutting it with a computer controlled machine. And so whatever shape we have in the computer, kind of think about a deck of cards, you can make a smile or a frown about that deck of cards and it's super strong. So the track ends up being about 20 times stronger uh, wow. than the traditional wow. track. And so what that does is, um, you know, getting a little bit in the engineering side of things, the stronger you make things, the longer it lasts. You know, right. that's that's the easy answer. Uh, how long it lasts uh, gets into all kinds of fatigue analysis and all kinds of other fun stuff that we don't need to get into. But, um, you know, if it's 20 times stronger, it's going to last way longer than any of us are alive kind of things. So as far as the strength of the track goes. So uh, awesome. we don't we don't really expect, um, you know, any problems with it. Um, you know, there's always a you know some rot that could happen or things like that that are right. we do our best to make sure that the pressure treatment is uh, as as strong as possible and everything else but yeah it's uh it's fantastic and then we also have um we can also install it horizontally when we have uh, some curves and um instead of being the same strength as traditional track we have a, a an adhesive that's called gravity goop and uh <laughs> We rebrand it. It's a special adhesive for us, for our track. And um, you know, we laminate a certain number of those cards together. So if you take half of the stack of cards and glue them together or three quarters or something like that, you're going to have a completely different different bending profile. You're not going to be able to shuffle those cards as well. And so um, we essentially glue part of the track together. And we get a track that's eight times stronger than the original track. So wow. it's still a really, really great product. Yeah, um, still a and, huge improvement. Yeah, so if you're riding the the Beast Helix, that's an example of horizontal pre-cut track. Uh, that was where they they actually, you know, the parks define the scope for us and with us. You know, we talk through mm -hmm. what they want to do. In this case, um, you know, they really just wanted the, the top two layers where the track um contacts the train they only really wanted to do that from a budgetary point of view so we were able to do that uh, but if you ride the helix now it's like wow this is tracking so much nicer yeah. than it ever <laughs> had you know it's, it's you know, just it's a you really good it. push to the outside you're not banging around and so that's the engineering behind it and then the product comes out as a really smooth uh shape and it's also a lot yeah. easier to install you're not actually cutting anything on the site um which, you know, our guys are fantastic, uh, our field install guys, but, you know, they're also cutting, you know, stuff that goes upside down 100 feet in the air. And so 
all that track traditionally has been cut with a circular saw. You know, we have a lot of really cool tools to help create that shape for them uh, that they use, but it still comes down to a human traditionally to install track. And so that's where, you know, as we put the engineering and the math behind it, we're able to create these shapes that are just far cleaner and better than what our guys can yeah. uh, typically install. And it makes them look great too, because they're like, oh yeah, we, you know, there's, there's so many less variables and unknowns and guesswork uh, that they don't have to do anymore because it's it's uh, very much a uh, puzzle piece Lego kind of system. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's a little ramble into engineer pre-cut track for you. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners definitely wanted to know what pre-cut track was and, you know, how everything's like because we, you know, Evan and I and Kyle as well, like we were able to ride, you know, the beast a ton of times during coaster stock and and also the racer too like it was just mm -hmm. night and day it's so i mean i ride racer like i mean i was always gonna ride beast a lot but i ride racer a heck of a lot more now than i yeah. ever used to yeah and i was gonna say with beast too i think a lot of people were concerned that doing all this track work on it was gonna be like oh well now it feels too smooth or too modern and no i think it it's gonna maintain that awesome out of control feeling yeah. that the beast is known for so well it's interesting you bring that up because that was a huge discussion and concern in our office <laughs> really <laughs> we're like we got to make sure that you know the beast still has a bite but it's also rewritable right and right so it was uh yeah we uh we had a lot of discussions exactly where that perfect balance was so i'm glad well, to hear that it sounds like we hit it pretty good yeah i mean i absolutely i guess it while it feels so much smoother i don't feel a difference when it comes to that part of it if that yes. makes sense yeah, so sure. yeah, it's it's been an awesome, awesome upgrade. <laughs> well, thanks. We we uh, we like it too. I got a quick story about that. Is when I was dating my wife. This is uh, probably close to twenty years ago now. Uh, we were at Kings Island, and uh, she rode the beast, and she's had some shoulder and back problems, and she's like, "I'm not going to ride that again until something <laughs> seriously happens to it." She's <laughs> like, "I just can't. Like, I, I yeah. it hurt me." Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so after we redid the beast, she wrote it and she's like, it's been a long time and this is wonderful <laughs> that I can write it again. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the that, personal that awesome. touch there was really cool. And I took my 10 year old on it right before we redid it. Obviously, I knew that we were going to be doing it. So um, we wrote it in uh, bench six. So the second car, one of the axles, I was like, I got to have this before picture in my head. And uh, she hadn't been on it at night. So she was you know, just 10 years old. She'd been on the beast just a couple times before that. Mm -hmm. So um, we rewrote in um, bench one, two uh, before that, the second bench. So it was okay. a beast ride. And then I was like, we got to ride it at night. And it was the last night of the ride. So we're like, or last ride of the night. And so uh, we jump in and I was like, oh, gosh, here comes <laughs> row six. So it was um, uncomfortable. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so then the first ride after we redid it i'm like we're going to bench six and it was like wow this is yeah. it was very welcoming to me knowing that everybody you know the general public the enthusiasts, corporate maintenance you know you you don't have to have the enthusiast mindset of wheel seats are bad like that mm -hmm. is a huge change like you know it, it, we know it very well about how bad a wheel seat is on that ride yes and i feel i feel so much better that the general public can ride it and enjoy it yeah. that 
they don't need to know that inside scoop. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. I know growing up, I always had this preconceived notion that it was just as simple as front to back. Like front was smooth, back was bad. Yes. I don't know if you guys just heard that crack of thunder. That was really loud. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was wondering if that was thunder or not. Wow. That just shook my apartment. Wow. And there was one earlier that actually made me jump too. Goodness. Um. Anyway, so I had this preconceived notion that front was good, back was bad. So I wouldn't ride Beast and say... <laughs> I have a cat too that always likes to make an appearance. Just saying. <laughs> she hasn't yet. She's probably hiding. Um, so like row 17 is like my favorite row on the ride right now. I wouldn't touch it. Cause I'm like, yeah. it's the back. It's the back. Yeah. It's the back. Yeah. So, you know, just that speaks to this that the 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 general public not having that knowledge of okay, well, row one is good, row two is gonna be great, and row three is eh, you know. So that 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 not having to worry about that is so huge for a park standpoint because what ninety nine percent of your guests are not us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For honestly, sure. I didn't I didn't believe that either until there was one day um, I had just moved down here. So I moved down here in two thousand, um, and I you know was over at Kings Island. It's like fifteen minutes from my house, so it's kind of I don't know. We'll we'll go into that whole season passing maybe later but um <laughs> the um so i was like i've heard about this whole wheel seat i don't believe it um and yeah. so i uh i was like okay i'm gonna jump in the back seat and i'm gonna go one seat ahead and see if all these guys that you know are just pulling my chain so i rode in the back seat and i was just like whoa that was horrible like i, <laughs> I like wow that was so uncomfortable and so um I was like, I don't know if I can go like one seat forward again because that was that was so bad. And so uh, I did. And uh, it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, that was the best ride I've ever had on the beast. That was so fun mm -hmm. and enjoyable. And I'm just like, it can't be that big of a contrast. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Whoever has it, it on the podcast, go check it out. It's uh, it can be a big deal. Yeah, Obviously, big Mag Magnum and Blue Streak also kind of have that Magnum. That for I was going to say as well not necessarily just wooden coasters like mm. i was going to bring up magnum gemini and um mm -hmm. even like the arrow loopers the front seat versus the back seat is is night and day for as much of a change as those can be <laughs> for sure yeah. all so. right so uh moving on we have one more question about your pre-cut track and then i think that's it for that um there's gonna be a big crack of thunder here in a sec oh. yeah, we saw the flash should we wait <laughs> maybe come on there yeah, is. there it is. All right. So now that your engineered pre-cut track has appeared on uh, multiple projects, are and it's been an overall success from both fans of the industry and industry leaders, are there any plans to roll out more of it or maybe um, do it to more of the beast or anything like that that you can even talk about? Um, yeah, I can't really talk about any okay. uh, future projects. Um but yeah, Cedar Fair definitely likes the product. They feel that is a really good solution for uh, for what they're doing. Um, and I believe um, that it's been officially mentioned at Timbers Fest that we were up there doing some magic this past year as well. So okay. um, yeah, that's, at Timbers Fest, there was a Q&A about uh, the work that was done on uh, Wolverine Wildcat as well as Shivering Timbers. So okay. we did a little bit of work up there this year. That was four of the uh, well, the Grizzly, um, 
racer and a two in uh, Michigan were the four for the ten rides we did this year. And wow. um, so yeah, is it was that a, Cedar Fair or just total all over the world? Yeah, okay. there's just four Cedar Fair projects there. Ah, okay. okay. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, I would I would fully expect you know that trend to continue with Cedar Fair. Um, you know, so you know I can't tell you what projects or where or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I see uh, I see the engineer precut track being a great solution for um, nearly every wood coaster could use it um, absolutely in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. cool. Uh, obviously, uh, the Grizzly is another Cedar Fair project. Obviously, it was a huge project this year. That was uh, one of the big. Uh, transformation projects you know some of them like racer their goal was to keep the shape as similar to the original as possible on the return run just so that the amount of work was minimized mm-hmm. um, uh, we did the section with the curve uh, coming off the turnaround uh, and then the um, the park installed half of the uh, trip home so um, we you know we rebanked it uh, it's a pretty significant difference in banking on that curve compared to the blue side right now it's kind of um surprisingly different and uh, but yeah it feels really great and smooth mm-hmm. and everything else so but oh, yeah sure. grizzly was a fantastic project uh you know nothing but really rave review reviews on that um mm-hmm. one of the things i mentioned at coaster stock which is an ever um ever looping record or ever looping sample is what about the rest of the ride? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but, sure. uh, yeah, but you know, parks are doing with this with their maintenance budget, which is really quite remarkable. Um, you know, sometimes wow. they get a little yeah. extra. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is not this is not capital improvements for the park. This is maintenance. So Jeez. they they wow. um, they're trying to get you know more because they know it's going farther. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh. Um, it's it's a little bit more than traditional track. It's just kind of using the same wood in a smarter way. Right. And, um, that's that's know, crazy that you say that it comes out of the maintenance budget because like you know when you reprofile the beast like you did the first drop and just you know the the improvements made to the rest of the ride and I'm sure Grizzly's the same way. It's like man, you could almost call this a brand new coaster. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. It was 1,200 I mean, I, foot of track. Like that's the size of Sesame Place and Quasi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, like, especially in Grizzly's place, uh, like, there, people weren't riding that ride. So now it's rideable. Now it's bringing people through the gates. So yeah, just, yeah. just for that to come out of the maintenance budget on its own, that's awesome. That's yeah. Really seeing cool. long lines at Racer is just awesome to see. It's like yeah. mm-hmm. people want to ride this, people want to keep riding it because it's yeah. so enjoyable. <laughs> absolutely yeah racer was actually red side (laughs) yeah that was actually my most surprising ride of coaster stock obviously i had not been on it yet this year and that red side is just incredible yeah very much i concur this isn't in our in our run sheet really quick so you you coming up with pre-cut track is there any coaster that you wish you could bring back like that was wooden to 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 like maybe fix and resurrect or something like that hmm um you know what i've asked i've been asked about what coaster i'd resurrect but i haven't been asked that in light of ept um or engineer pre-cut track if you want to call it that um <laughs> the cool kids call it ept just just kind of saying that no, that was my it, right. will arnett <laughs> we'll get it trending <laughs> yeah there you go uh, you know, the uh, we have our hashtags that are that are trending uh you know engineer pre-cut track pre-cut and of course thou shalt not steal so <laughs> steal with eel so. with an a yeah there's another one 
Yeah. So make some for some good listening for the weather nerds, the coaster nerds. <laughs> this is awesome. Good stuff. I mean, this is this is a legit storm. <laughs> I was just saying, like, just thinking off, off the top of my head, just for Kings Island, I would have loved to see like Son of Beast kind of like stay and then you guys like really like throw a ton like of all you know obviously yeah. this new technology into it and see like what you know what could have came came and been kind of thing you know so mm-hmm. um a few come to mind um the uh Rye airplane i think is something that's kind of high on my list that would be pretty awesome mm-hmm. um cyclone racer uh as well and uh thunder road i think if yeah. we had EPT, okay. I, I feel like, you know, maybe that they would have been able to plan yeah. around that a little bit differently. Obviously, the water park was kind of a big challenge to kind of figure that out. But, yeah, um, yeah. so I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, there's there's been plenty of wood coasters out there that people are just like, we just can't keep up. So that's really right. where we where we feel like uh, it's a great solution. It's also pretty seamless, uh, you know. The riders don't be like, oh, wow, what is that other weird track that I just felt? You know, it just feels like a smooth wood coaster that's mm-hmm. thrilling. So um, it's very seamless from a, you know, explanation to the riders and general public. They're like, oh, you know, that's that's the ride I remember when I was little or, you know, kind <laughs> yeah. of that continuation of that thrill. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we jump off of the beast, and I think you probably already answered this question, but did you have any uh, issues or unforeseen obstacles or anything on that project that posed a challenge? Um, whenever you are doing um, any type of upgrade to a wood coaster, which we're doing a lot of lately, um, <laughs> it's like uh, if you have ever worked on a house or on a car that's been you know 20 to 50 years old, there's always unknowns. And so, um, you know, houses are known to be money pits from a, um, oh, here, we pulled this off and then we discovered this and we discovered this. So um, every ride has that. Um, and so we try to do our best to, you know, mitigate that up front. Um, the Beast, I think, was um, more challenging because the structure that we added to the Helix was really challenging from a, you know, retaining the original center line, uh, you know, for the most part, as well as restructuring it completely. So, um, you know, what was structured there was just a, um, you know, it was done a certain way to start. And then, you know, it was added to and added to and added to for the last Mm -hmm. 40 some years. And so it was uh, like, okay, I guess we got to just take all this down to the ground. And then, you know, getting all the accurate information of where the concrete was and whether we needed to add more. And, you know, we're also, you know, this was, you know, the ride was operating until, you know, the end of haunt. So we don't have a lot of time to do this, you know, the amount Mm -hmm. of, you know, we, it was basically a small ride that we had to do from November through April. So it was a really tight project when you look at it from that point of view. So, um, and obviously we, you know, reprofiled the first drop and reworked the, that left curve as well as all part of that. So it was a lot of con- um, structural construction as well um, that you'll see on Grizzly and stuff like that, where you know, in contrast this year on the racer, you know, there wasn't a significant um, change in the ride for most of the most of that return on on racer. 
um, compared to like what we did on the racer and the beast before that because it was in decent shape it was just uh just needed to be smoother and you know they wanted to just minimize the amount of effort uh so we you know when whenever we see any type of ride we're like oh let's reprofile let's get it you know you know really you know amped up to you know modern dynamics standards um that we have and uh, sometimes we get to do that and sometimes we don't cool all right so awesome stuff yeah where do you see wooden coaster technology going in the next kind of five to ten years um i see the you know the the rework market staying very strong um particularly with our product um and then i i do see that new rides coming back i feel like it's the the, the capital expenses expenditures uh at parks are are a bit more in that direction now for for new roller coasters so we definitely start to see that um i think there'll still be a continued trend on the smaller rides that we uh made famous um you know, with Wooden Warrior, Rorosaurus, Oscar's Wacky Taxi, Wood Express, Timber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, those just hit a, a fantastic market um, and a review. Um, it's one of those, like, I don't know anybody who's ridden Wooden Warrior that hasn't loved it. That's Not a just great little ride. It, or, you know, it's just like, no, everybody, like, you know, jaded enthusiasts go there. They're like, okay i heard all about this you know yeah it's a small coaster but they still are like that was still amazing so yeah you know the i really really love that ride it's it's kind of like the the highest you know five out of five star ratings are some of those rides that are just so amazingly awesome Mm -hmm. for the entire family you know i I was uh fortunate enough to uh, take my kids to media day at kentucky flyer and my youngest was four years old and she was 42 inches you know minimum of 40 inches on that ride and uh, i could just ride that ride all day long i love that mm-hmm. ride. so um it was really um so i see i see that and then also i feel like um the engineer precut track has also opened up parks minds to be like okay i can i can do a little bit more aggressive rides now with this too because it's stronger and you know more reliable and knowing that it's going to be less maintenance as well um combined with the timberliners the timberliners um you know from an engineering point of view were hugely significant um the amount of track work that has been done on uh any ride that has timberliners is uh just a tiny 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 fraction from you know what it would have been with a different train um and that's due to uh jumping into some technical things is um the way the force is distributed we knew we had to make it pretty different uh the wood track whether it's engine precar track or whatever it's made out of wood it's capped with steel there's a certain amount of force that that wood can take you know mm-hmm. and that's um you know uh um basically just math it's like that's the number and if you have a hammer that's close to that number you're going to start mashing that steel into the wood that's just that's just the physics behind it and so we said we got to make sure that, that hammer is as small as possible for the loads of our train going into the track. Right. And so uh, we were able to, um, you know, one of the things that we did was uh, we have a steerable uh, wheel system. And so what that does is you have two side wheels or guide wheels. And instead of the whole train just kind of scraping around the turn, bouncing and, and carrying on, it actually steers. So 
all the wheels are in the line of the curve. So it's much more like a steel okay. coaster. Um, you know, think about uh, Magnum or Corkscrew or something like that, where you can see the wheels are actually tracking with the mm -hmm. shape of the track. Yeah. So the Timberliners do that. And okay. um, number one, it, it follows the path better. But number two, it distributes that force over two points. So it's hitting two wheels instead of one wheel. Um, and then it's also just the way the weight's distributed. Um, it ends up being that that force of that hammer onto the track is about re reduced by a factor of three. And mm. so if I had a 10 pound hammer originally with the original trains, I've taken that down to a three and a half pound hammer. So again, going back to the little bit of the fatigue, I know that track is going to last way longer. So yeah. the amount of wood that's been replaced is pretty much nil on anything running timberliners from the force of the track. There's other factors um, that come into play as well. But um, And then you also vertically, we have a better distribution of force as well. So we're able to reduce that uh, traditional uh, wood coaster train that has, you know, uh, two or three benches, about two thirds of that weight's on the back axle. And so you have this pretty eccentric loading in the back. And so you have basically two plus, you know, part of another two passengers plus that weight is all on that back axle. So after we redistribute that, we end up are able to reduce our force vertically by two. So again, we can reduce that force on the track and make the tracks last a lot longer. So that was that was one of the the big impetuses for the Timberliners. We started, um, you know, doing wood coaster cars on Lost Coaster back at uh, Custom Coasters. Yeah, so okay. um, that was the first wood coaster train to steer that had, um, you know, that wasn't flanged wheels. So you had a lot of the John mm -hmm. Allen Jr. coasters that had flanged wheel. So um, for all you geeks out there. You know, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the Timberliners and then, uh, you know, engineer pre-cut track. So we don't stop innovating. So that's, that's something that we do. So, um, you know, we love wood coasters. We're passionate about wood coasters. And so, um, you know, we see that there's, uh, there's always innovation to be had on, um, you know, in our world. And if we don't, then we might be left behind, but we feel that we yeah. have a, a constant flow of ideas. Uh, we have a, pretty big team right now uh, with you know, everybody from uh, shop crew to engineering to other staff and uh, also our field cruiser. We got three field crews going right now. Uh, we're not right now, but uh, in our prime uh, building season. So yeah, we got a lot going on and uh, it's a, it's a busy time to be at gravity group. Nice. <laughs> so going along with that, like with that innovation and the pre-cut track and all that good stuff is Will there be like different or more dynamic inversions that we might see on on wooden coasters? Because like you know, a lot of them are doing barrel rolls. Like that kind of seems like the hot topic, or some form of a zero. I want a loop. Roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, son of beast. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. We we've 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 got all kinds of inversions that we've talked about. Um, there's really not uh, anything we haven't talked about. So uh, it's just a matter of finding the right customer that has the right yeah. uh, right goals. So I guess the short answer is we can do anything B&M can do inversion-wise. Um, actually, no. Along those lines. <laughs> um, what we have as a limitation is uh, for right or for wrong, we're stuck with wood. And wood can only twist so much. You can actually twist more so with steel than you okay. can with wood. 
uh, mm. particularly if it's a uh, you know flat plate or flat plate or a, or a, a round tube. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so something like you know, say your your zero G roll for Raptor, uh, that track is really twisted. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so okay. we can we can do a, a barrel roll, but it's got to be uh, a little bit different. It's got to be a little bit mm. um, okay gentler. I think maybe might be yeah. a, might be a way more to drawn say that. out. Yeah, yeah, more yeah, drawn like out, stretched out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so okay. um, you look at our corkscrews and barrel rolls and stuff like that. They're they're a little maybe a little old school looking. Yeah, like I think the the corkscrew at Mount Olympus, um, it actually reminds me a little bit of like the uh, for all the old people there, um, Batman Night Flight at Geauga Lake. Those uh, mm-hmm. interlocking <laughs> corkscrews, or or yeah. even Rougarou. You know, it's a little yeah. bit like that. So that that whole B&M element that they kind of did at the ends of the rides. So I kind of feel like Hades is a little bit like that. However, Hades shoots through that. Like, it's like you rock it out of that tunnel and you're upside down before you know it. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, my favorite part of that ride. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, exiting that tunnel and going through that inversion is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. All right. So that's about it for questions. Um, we have one more just about you and the company and then the rest are just kind of your fun personal opinion. So, uh, what has been your favorite project to work on out of all of the ones that you've done? Um, I have a few, it's kind of like picking a kid. That's your favorite. <laughs> um, your so kids are listening. It's okay. There's, there's plenty. Yeah, there's, there's plenty. Of, I'll just say a couple memorable ones maybe. Um, Working with Will Cook on the voyage was really special. Uh, yeah. I kind of felt oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of input. We had a lot of feedback and interaction with him. And he was just such a solid guy and, you know, really miss him. Uh, but I kind of felt like it was like, um, I don't know. He was kind of not to put him on a pedestal, but it kind of felt like Disney. Like it was kind of working with Walt Disney where he had this vision, you know, for this park. We were up on uh i think on zimbabwe's um top we were looking out over the area and there was no voyage mm-hmm. and uh so we um we're talking about you know we were walking the site and that with him and we were talking about where we were going to go with it and um it was just kind of like a you know he was like i'm gonna do this thing like we're gonna have this <laughs> this ride uh we used the quote in our advertisements for quite a few years um it was um something about you know this ride's really special and i feel like it'll you know stand the test of time yeah and mm-hmm. so uh that was his his thought and vision the whole time was he was like i want to make this a landmark and you know it's what uh 18 years old or uh, yeah. 17 17 years old this year and uh you know you 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 hear about hollywood nights you know sorry mm-hmm. for all you coast romania people up there but you know <laughs> There's this thing called Hollywood Nights down in uh, down in southern Indiana that's pretty special, and uh, yeah, the Voyage Night rides are pretty epic. So absolutely, uh, yeah. If you haven't been on them, um, I remember riding it with a whole bunch of enthusiasts one year, and we get to the break run. It's pitch blackout, and it was dead <laughs> silence. Everyone was just sitting there like, I can't believe what just you- happened. And, and in the best understand. way possible, you're sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. what was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that ride is special. Absolutely. Then, 
then you got to you know about a minute or two to process before you get to the station then you start yeah. cheering again so I yeah, just say question on, on top of that is so obviously voyage is like long and everything did you guys literally just come up like he's just like hey blank slate we want this or did he say hey i want to do such and such long coaster and you know kind of tell you guys and then you guys because i mean it just goes and goes yeah. and goes and it's <laughs> it's so good it's or do you, you know, say that's the park boundary go to it yeah right <laughs> um yeah basically um the length was was a bit of a variable to start with um he knew he wanted something really big uh, at one time, uh, he had the beast record in his sight in his sights. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. There was even some discussion about having an inversion on the ride, um, <laughs> uh, even back in the day in 2006. Wow. Um, uh, that was you know decided against. Um, but there was there's a few different designs. One of the things that kind of opened it up was um, actually Corey Keepert, my business partner. Um, he was like, we're going up over that big hill. So if you don't know about the ride, it goes out. But it goes towards this really big hill. It's a hundred feet tall. The just the ground, the oh, ground goes oh, wow. up a hundred feet from the station up to where the safety block is, and so um, as you go up to that, particularly if we go over it down into what the where the spaghetti bowl is, that's another drop of forty or sixty feet, I think, mm-hmm. and then it comes back up. By that time, the amount of energy you have going over that hill is very little, and mm-hmm. so. As you, you know, on the safety block, you're six feet off the ground. And, you know, it's like, wait, where did all this energy go? Um, <laughs> it's just because the ground's so high. And so uh, we're like, it could be pretty lame up there because we just don't have hardly any energy to do anything with. And that's when we're like, hey, let's do some underground tunnels. And so we're sculpting the hills through that uh-huh. big hill. Um, the, we're sculpting the coaster hills through that big hill. And then we're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is something we're going to make a whole bunch of these underground tunnels and really make this profile sing. So that was yeah. one of the kind of the key breakthroughs there. At one time I was actually going to go up that hill and then take a left towards um, Lake Rudolph campground uh, oh, back oh, wow, where wow. mammoth and stuff is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the early designs had that. Wow. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. That's really interesting. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you went with the eventual winner because yeah, I sometimes I sit down and like, man, that might be my number one coaster. It's just so good, especially it's, when you it's get to okay ride it if it is. Mm-hmm. It's okay if it is. What was that? <laughs> I was gonna say, especially if you can ride it trimless, you know, during Hollywood yes. nights that they they're yeah, their coaster event, like they turn off the trims and you just ride it balls of the wall. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it's the good. best way of putting it. Yeah. All right. So um, we have. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to mention a little holiday or holiday world story. So um, this goes back um, and I'm, I think I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit. But, uh, you know, growing up to, at Cedar Point, you know, we had Mean Streak and Blue Streak. Um, and we also went over to Jog Lake. You know, that was cool. Went to Kennywood. Uh, but I just didn't really have that fondness for wood coasters uh, growing mm-hmm. up. Um, I had a friend... Um, uh, in the Great Ohio Coaster Club, John Blakemore, uh, he was like, Mike, you got to go down to Holiday World. This is the late 90s. So late 90s was the spawn of, uh, not spawn, but you know, a lot of the custom coasters rides were getting built then. Yeah. And he's like, you got to go ride Raven. I think it might change your life. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> he's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, wood coasters are amazing. I'm like, yeah, sure they are. Whatever. 
And so um, I took a good, you know, solo enthusiast trip down there. It was my birthday. <laughs> I, yeah, I knew about the ride. I was like, okay, I know I got to make sure I get a night ride on it. And so I made sure my night ride was first, rode in the back on Raven. And I was just like, okay, John was right. The, the <laughs> wood coasters are awesome. And uh, a good wood coaster is, you know, way better than a steel coaster can be. So yeah, um, obviously... You know, since the late 90s, you know, wood coasters and steel coasters have upped their game seriously, you know, so mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a good time to be right now riding. But, um, you know, that really changed changed my my life and perspective. I was hoping to, you know, work at Arrow or another steel coaster company up until that point. And then on the way back, I looked up custom coasters and you know, drove by the custom coasters headquarters just to kind of get a feel for what it looked like. And. Uh, just a couple of years later, I started working for him. So it was definitely a, a, a dream come true for that that part of my little world. But just the whole, you know, growing up at Cedar Point with wood coasters was just not a good, you know, we were always told it's the best amusement park in the world, right? So why yeah. go elsewhere? Right, you right. Know? And you know, the more you go, the more you experience the difference, you know, you, you get away from the better. You just get to have more variety of experiences and uh, definitely encourage people to get out of northern Ohio and experience <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, Absolutely. like Carson and I are going to Dollywood next week for CoasterCon. I know that's not a Cedar Fair Park for mm -hmm. the purpose of our podcast, but, you know, I'm so excited to go to Dollywood for totally different reasons than I am excited every time I go to Cedar Point. It's yep. like you said, it's a different experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, each park brings a different thing to the table. And that's what keeps everything so interesting and keeps us going back to all these parks over and over and over. Yep. Yeah. Dollywood's a really special park. We uh, we've had some really great times there. And it's only four hours away from here in Cincinnati. So or four and a half. So sure brag some more, <laughs> more trip, so I, i'm a lot farther away Man. from uh waldemere than you guys are so that's uh oh yeah that's true. <laughs> and also also candy wood so man we we got you <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right kentucky kingdom holiday world yeah those are both day trips for us oh man if i had holiday world as a day trip that would be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, right. we actually we actually make that day trip a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, and it, it's always like you know when the parks aren't operating for some reason. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we well, kind of touched on this earlier, but do you have a? We just asked about you know what your favorite project you worked on was. Do you have a most challenging project you worked on? Either being, you know, building, designing, whatever. Um. Yeah. A couple couple things come to mind um the first one was a non-gravity group ride the uh, custom coasters uh lost coaster of superstition mountain at indian beach uh, we had about six months to do that project and we had uh Ooh. we had a old dark ride and the structure was fixed there was a little bit we could do with it but it had three levels and they wanted to convert it from a electric powered dark ride that went inside and outside uh that has challenges as well and they wanted to make it gravity powered. So, um, you know, we put our heads together and it was a really challenging thing. So we ended up, you know, coming up with a bunch of firsts for wood coasters. We had the lost coaster cars, which were just really bizarre. They could go around at six foot radius. Um, mm -hmm. The vertical lift was certainly a unique thing. Um, and then we also had the first application of uh, magnetic brakes for a wood coaster. Uh, we had, uh, if you've been on the ride, there's a section of the ride that goes through this rotating barrel. And uh, what we had is 
we were going from one story down to the next story right into the barrel and uh, we just had to trim off some energy we just had way too much energy to hit the the curve right after that so uh, we worked with a company out of the uk to develop some you know some basically magnetic uh, or horizontal magnetic brakes and so all that was like six months. I don't really know how we did it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's yeah, a lot. Insane. It was pretty insane. So that was a huge challenge. Uh, I'd say the other biggest challenge was the Timberliner cars. Um, you know, I have a passion for uh, wood coaster cars and also you know just you know coaster cars in general. I'm a big um, study of of all the stuff that's going out there, and I was the key engineer on it. But you know, when you when you're doing a, a a wood coaster train it's uh it's just a different animal than than a lot of the other uh products out there so we learned a lot and we're really happy with the results but uh it was um you know it was a definitely a challenging project uh you know coming up with something completely from scratch knowing that we didn't want an iterative design we wanted something that said okay what is our inputs and what are our goals and start with that from a design point of view it wasn't like a uh, we'll just, you know, grab this seat from here and grab this lap bar from here and grab these wheels from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted a really a blank slate. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those um, are some of the most challenging projects. Um, but, yeah, all all of our projects have some type of quirk to them. You got a 150-foot bridge up in Erie, Pennsylvania that we put a coaster <laughs> over. And yeah, yeah. You got yeah. – uh, all the stuff at Inner Beach was crazy, um, you know, going out in the water and all that kind of jazz. And um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll just stop there. Um, <laughs> one of my other favorites, though, like uh, I got to say, Kentucky Flyer was just one of the things that just kind of hit right. Uh, you know, just from uh, what I experienced, you know, my time there doing testing and stuff as well as, you know, the, the family experience in that ride is just real special. And just having something that's, you know, finally in the Midwest, um, you know, by us to have something that we can go out to and, um, you know, be a lot more uh, accessible than, you know, Mount Olympus is a good nine hours away from here. So, yeah. Well, it's only six hours away from us. So. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> <laughs> and it's probably Got like him. and it's probably like 25 away from me so shut it yeah right yeah and you guys are all younger so you could do that in a day trip <laughs> I mean, no thanks yeah. <laughs> let's go i'm good <laughs> all right the last few questions we have um are just your personal opinion they don't have to involve gravity group or anything just your opinion as a, a roller coaster fan uh what is mm -hmm. your favorite overall coaster wood steel whatever um the one that makes me go wow the most is a voyage. Okay. Um, okay. A, a dark ride on voyage. I haven't had a better coaster experience. Um, you know, yeah, I have soft spots for others. Uh, I know some people are like, this is my favorite ride, but this was my most thrilling ride, or this is my mm -hmm. sentimental favorite. Yeah, the voyage is like that, that ride experience hasn't been topped uh, in my riding. Uh, you know, put it out there. I don't get to ride as much as I used to, um, you know, being, um, you know, when you're working on the stuff, you don't take as many trips, um, as you get older and have family and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's refreshing. A lot of our team members are out on coaster trips right now. So, you know, I'm kind of vicariously still living through them on their, on their journeys, but yeah, yeah I would say the voyage is, uh, still the best ride that I've had. Awesome. Cool. cool. Uh, who is your favorite manufacturer? 
that's not, not named Gravity happen. Group. Yeah. I mean, if uh, Gravity Group is your answer, that that's awesome. But um, I'm going to give a couple answers. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I think you know, as a as a fan of the history, I feel like um, the coolest looking trains are the uh you know the national national amusement devices or nad century flyers uh mm-hmm. running on mm-hmm. Kennywood's thunderbolt and camden park's uh big dipper yeah, yeah um i just think that that style is just really cool um yeah. and then also the uh, ptcs that ran on forest park highlands uh comet has this big long node similar to uh, willow i want to say willow Glen. somebody correct me on that over in pennsylvania uh um, williams grove William, no, not Williams Grove. No, uh, no. This was on the Alps coaster. That was. At, oh, we might uh, have to break our roller coaster database for this one. Willow, Willow Grove. Willow Grove. Yeah, Willow Grove. Okay. So um, that's a new yeah, one for it's, me. It's, yeah. it's a cool PTC train, but it's got this really cool snout on it with the light bulb up front, and oh, cool. uh, this real, real classic yeah. uh, train. So, uh, as far as modern coaster wow. designers, um, manufacturers. Um, I would say a soft spot for the new Vacoma stuff, but a yes. nice, yes. but the old school B and M. So, okay, okay, okay. And uh, I preface that, and I talked to a lot of people that have ridden a lot of rides, and they make fun of me, but I think everybody's entitled to their own personal preference. And my mm-hmm. favorite steel coaster is Apollo's Chariot for steel coasters. <laughs> Well, that's a I good just, one. Okay. It's yeah, got, I, I have no problem with that. I love that round. Great old school, you know, old school airtime. It's not trying too hard. It's just got yep. a great storyline. It's got a lot of variety. Every hill's different. The setting's fantastic. Uh, followed closely by the awkwardly awesome uh, Phantom's Revenge. Yes. So, that's another good one. Phantom's Revenge is just yeah, awesome. I, I agree I with you on it. Phantom's yeah. Revenge. That's yeah. one of my favorites. That's another, like, night rides. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just feel like it was quirky and forced and just kind of beautiful in that that yeah. hobby. So I, I, I love to hear like just all the craziness that went into that project going from Steel Phantom to Phantom's Revenge because <laughs> man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. All right. So two more. Uh obviously, <laughs> you know, you are not going to be working on the reimagined top throw dragster. But, At least we don't think. Yeah. As, and, and you know what? If if you were, you wouldn't be able to tell us about it. But um, do you have any like pipe dreams or just crazy ideas that you would want to see on that ride? Just being heavily involved in the industry as you are. Um, I remember when it was being built. Everyone was like, "Is that it? You know, it was mm-hmm. like, is this going to go up and come down? Like, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, we, yeah." You know, we yeah. all hadn't seen something like that before. And so, uh, you know, everybody has their own ideas on where to extend it out to. And, you know, with 420 feet of elevation to work with, like, that'd be one heck of a ride. You can just have it a completely amazing ride uh, tacked onto that. So, um, specifically, um, I'm not sure what you do with that kind of energy. <laughs> like, obviously, <laughs> we just put it in the brakes right now. Um, but, uh you know, even even 300 feet of energy with Millennium Force, it's like, you know, you know how do you effectively use that well? Um, you know, you have you end up, you know, with something like, um, 
it's just a short ride. And, you know, for all the Millennium Force lovers out there, I still think that those big hills going out on the island are supposed to be airtime hills that should be delivering. Um, personal opinion. Oh, come on. There's um, airtime <laughs> on a hot summer day when it's running all day. There's airtime. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just I'm just thinking of Millennium Force just stretched out like a, as a wood coaster. Them trying to like figure out what to do with all that energy, like you said, like that'd be yeah. insane. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, interestingly, you guys may not know this. I'm sure a lot of you guys don't know this. Um, you actually burn more energy on a steel coaster than wood coasters. So, really? Uh, really? A wood coaster height, you know, say Son of Beast is 200 feet tall. You know, maybe you could put 6,000 feet of track on that. Uh, if it was a steel coaster, it might be 4,500 feet of track or 5,000 feet of track. Um, really? And the reason for that is the urethane wheels, they absorb energy, um, where a steel okay. wheel on a steel track does not absorb as much energy. Wow. So huh. it's a, it's overall a, a different friction loss. And so from a designer point of view, you end up having um, a little bit more challenges from a wood coaster loss point of view, because typically the, the parks want height and don't want to pay for the amount of length and structure to dissipate all that energy they they kind of right. want the the um you know kind of like the cyclops at mount olympus philosophy where you have um <laughs> the state or not mount olympus let's say zeus you have a 35 or 40 foot tall station mm -hmm. and you go up 100 feet and then you have a short track relative to the amount of energy that could be had and then mm -hmm. you go up really high because you only only lost a certain amount of energy so, um, so yeah, that's always something that we deal with as designers is huh. they often want to have, um, you know, more, more height and with the advent of magnetic brakes, that's been really helpful because you can just hit your brake run a lot, um, faster, or you have something like Orion where you have your brake run is what, hundred, 150 feet in the air. Yeah. yeah something. And, uh, <laughs> just because, you know, the ride is only, you know, so long right? and, uh, they wanted the 300 foot and didn't care about, you know, really you know maximizing the amount of potential uh energy because it's expensive and understandably yeah, right. so oh yeah for sure cool all right and then the last question that we always like to end with when we have someone on the show is what advice would you give to any young aspiring engineers who might be trying to break into this industry <laughs> um as evan's pointing at his bill um, <laughs> I've been there. I, I have been in, in your shoes. Um, the uh, I'm going to answer this. I'll probably give a little bit of a really long answer because um, I'm going to kind of tell you how I kind of got into this whole thing. As um, In sixth grade, um, my brother and I were building all kinds of Lego creations. We loved just creating stuff where there was a lot of Lego or other products around the house. We were just building all kinds of stuff. And in sixth grade, somebody told me that a mechanical engineer is somebody who designs machines. Hmm. And I'm like, number one, you could do that for a living and make money. And number two, what else would I want to do? Like everything yeah. else sounds really boring compared to that. And uh, it was kind of through that time, my brother and I um, and friends, we started building all kinds of different amusement rides uh, out of Lego, you know, sky rides, scramblers, hmm. you name it, water rides. We took bricks and made these little, you know, uh, Thunder Canyon style rafts out of Lego with <laughs> styrofoam. And, um, but, uh, we were on, 
so I'd been to Cedar Point a few times. I got a cool Cedar Point story too. I got a I got a share on on the CP Rundown podcast. But uh, we'll <laughs> come back to that. You know, okay. Don't don't let me forget. Um, we were actually at the the irony of of Cedar Point Park. Um, we took this epic like National Lampoon style um, summer vacation. Uh, we took this road trip. We uh, took a short jaunt from Ohio down to Texas. Picked up my uncle. Uh, we headed out. We hit a bunch of sites on the way down and the way out to California. Visited my uh, my friends or my cousins and my uncle and aunt in L.A. And we were going to go to Disneyland because my dad had always wanted us to you know take a trip to Disneyland. I was at, um, I was in junior high or high school right right at that um, summer. And uh, my cousins were like, we're not going to Disneyland. Like, that's that's for kids. You know, we're going to Six yeah. Flags. Mm-hmm. And we're like, <laughs> OK, that sounds fine. So uh, we you know, I had known about Magic Mountain a little bit, but not too much. I wasn't really too much as a, you know, too into coasters that as much. So um, this is a perfect opportunity to say how old I am. Um, <laughs> we saw ads for their new ride on tv and it was the viper and they were like this ride is unbelievable like there wasn't anything like it and so yeah the next day we went to magic mountain and rode viper and it was just like wait this is a machine somebody's designing this machine i want that person to be me mm-hmm. and yeah. so you know once we got home from vacation i was just like i gotta i gotta build i gotta create i gotta have some type of tactile understanding of the wood of the roller coaster. And so I started building roller coaster models. And so I ended up building three. Um, the first one was called the Scarlet Fever. It was very similar to the Magnum uh, Lego mm-hmm. cars. Uh, I literally went down to the hardware store. This, this, you got to remember there's, there's no co- connects. There's no coaster mm-hmm. dynamics. It was, uh, there was a few, um, you know, as I learned, as I got into it, there's a few, um, uh, model coaster articles in uh, some of the American coaster enthusiast publications over the years. Um, and so there was just a very few of us, um, you know, Chris Gray was one of those. He's at Skyline now. And, um, you know, John Blakemore had done some toothpick models, which were just unbelievable. And so there's a couple other people I started getting in contact with. Uh, but yeah, I had gone down to the hardware store. I said, what can I make a coaster model out of? <laughs> and so uh, I got some <laughs> like dolls. I you, like, uh... Yeah. I remember <laughs> going over to um, a friend of mine's house and borrowing his table saw because I was taking some uh, one by two, which is three quarter inch by one and a half inch wood and cutting into really thin rec- or square pieces that were like about, a, I guess, three eighths or a quarter inch and I was making this Magnum style structure out of that. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just, you know, just fine stuff to do. And so then um, after the first one, I learned a lot about plastics and stuff. And I ended up making um, the second one, which is a uh, aero inspired looping coaster, very similar to, um, you know, Viper as well as Vortex down here at Kings Island. Called that the Black, Black Plague. You can look that up on YouTube. It's out there. But all of my stuff was functional. Like if it didn't work, I just wasn't interested in it. So I had all these ball bearings, and it was is a pretty cool, I think, uh, product. Sounds like, yeah. sounds like I needed to be best friends with you when you were growing up. That that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, this is all built in Elyria, Ohio. Oh man, that would be yeah. cool. Would you say yeah. the name of this? The I'm pulling it up so I can watch it after we're done here. What would, well, what would you say? The Black name? Plague. 
the Black Plague. All right. Which is funny because my daughter just did a uh, a uh, little um, school project about the Black Plague doctor this year. It's really ironic. <laughs> so so yeah, the Black Plague. I ended up selling that uh, ride. It, this is a massive ride, by the way. It's like uh, ten foot by sixteen foot by seven foot tall. So. It's, you know, no joke uh, as far as a wood coaster or a model coaster. Um, I ended up sell- selling it to the Ontario Science Center. And um, and this was like six years later as I was, you know, partway through college at the time. And um, it was it was helpful. That's what helped me get through college was the sell- sell of, uh, selling of that was was pretty helpful. It wasn't a yeah. lot. Don't worry. <laughs> like, it's not it's not a money making uh, thing. Um, so well, there goes uh, that idea. Yeah. So as I was finishing that, I've been in contact or I was contacted by an ice cream shop out in Grand Junction, Colorado, and uh, they were putting together an ice cream shop. They wanted something to kind of set them apart. It was a little bit different. Um, And uh, they wanted a roller coaster model that hung from their ceiling. And so um, I was like, okay, that sounds like a fun challenge. So I actually scaled everything up. This was about 12 foot by 25 foot uh, model. And it was about six foot drop from the ceiling and so i had to kind of think about everything weird because the tallest supports were at the end of the ride um <laughs> and yeah. uh, there's also a video of that on if you uh you can do a search for that soda jack's ice screamer was the uh final name soda of the jack's ice cute screamer. cute yeah. um, <laughs> i found the black plague i did find oh, nice. that yeah it's uh it's aged um it's very aged but it i don't know i i'd, I'd watch it um, I'm blown away. I, this is insane that this was built in your home. Sorry, yeah, that was, continue. That was in late <laughs> yep. That's so cool. Anyway, uh, sorry. So yeah, then, uh, but it was about, or like as I was building the ice creamer, I was applying to uh, coaster companies. Um, as I was getting into uh, American Coaster Enthusiast and Great Ohio Coaster Club um, in the 90s, um, I was like, oh man, I want to be a coaster designer. And they're like, hold your horses, buddy. Um, because, <laughs> you know, you know, I had heard, you know, there's a better chance being an astronaut than a coaster designer. Um, uh, my colleague Corey had been told, you know, don't try it. Just don't pursue it. There's, there's too few spots. There's too many people applying for those. Just don't, don't even bother. Um, but I was pushing, um, and I realized that I needed something that kind of made, made me, um, you know, kind of different or, you know, what separated me from the next guy. Um, and I kind of felt as like, oh, well, let me push my models. And because I'm really, you know, kind of doing a lot of the engineering and design already. And I can, you know, the, the Soda Jacks ice creamer train was like a fully machine train out of aluminum and plastic and stuff like that. So I, you know, was, you know, plenty confident with my manufacturing skills you know not as good as a lot of other people but i could i could make stuff happen Mm -hmm. so um i was hoping that that would be attractive uh and as i mentioned custom coasters was my first choice uh for a coaster designing company however i actually applied to a um a marketing company called intrax uh intrax did some animations for cedar fair um they did the sun beast uh video that's uh also kind of dated and some other stuff for um i think they did some stuff for cedar point um they were out of mansfield so i was like you know what that's a little closer to home um and i had been doing some 
uh, renderings and animations and stuff like that with the models as well. Um, you know, when I was at college, I didn't have the model with me. So I was learning a lot about CAD and um, 3D Studio R4 before Max even came out. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And uh, so I was just trying to, you know, um, learn about everything. Uh, I had this super fortunate experience. So when my coaster model was up at Ontario Science Center, um, they asked me to come up and do a couple like presentation days and, and you know, Q&As and stuff like that. Um, and there was two key people that uh, were also asked um, different weekends. One of the guys was um, uh, Richard Car Rob Robert Cartmel. Richard Robert Cartmel. Um, he's one of the early ace authors that did the incredible scream machine still like one of the best coaster books out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, he had some footage of the mock chunk railway that he showed in his presentation. And it was just like, you know, it's just really special spending some time with him. And the second guy was Ron Toomer. So oh. Ron, Ron had retired from arrow, but he was still kind of doing, you know, little gigs. So he was up there with his wife. And I was able to have lunch with them, and I was just blown away. I'm just like, this is really cool. And I had fully expected him to say that I should stop trying, and he <laughs> didn't. So I was like, I guess he sees this huge, you know, ride that's inspired by his work. Yeah. You know, that yeah. he probably doesn't want to, you know, crush my dreams or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, um, Let's see. So then I, you know, get hired at Custom Coasters after applying there. Yeah, just I, I didn't think I would become a coaster designer. I really didn't. I, I, I was, you know, they say have a plan B. I recommend having a plan B. Um, make sure you have other interests. My other interests were in aerospace. Uh, I loved uh, anything having to do with aviation and, um, you know, airplanes and helicopters and stuff like that. My co-op. Um, uh, experience was up in Elyria at uh, Aerospace Pump Company, and I was really fortunate to have that, you know, like five minutes from my parents' house so I could work on the coaster yeah. and, uh, you know, do the co-op. So, um, you know, I really, that's a great time to be in aviation uh, engineering or aerospace engineering, depending on how you say it. So that was when the F-22 and the uh, F-35 were, you know, first flights of the first prototypes were going on, and it was it was pretty cool. Wow. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I was just a little peon, but, you know, it was, it was cool to be a part of that team. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, everyone knew, knew my, you know, I was always the roller coaster guy, just like probably all of you guys yeah. uh, and gals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, where was I going with that? So when I got to Custom Coasters, um, it was kind of funny because uh, they're like, we just hired this really weird guy. Like, who's going to sit by the weird guy? <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I, I'm honored to be that person, but uh, they thought I was I was pretty weird, um, and I was fine with that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was just I feel really blessed that I was I was chosen for that position, and uh, yeah, and you know the I sent them. You know, this also dates me. I sent my resume on a CD with all the you know renderings and animations and stuff like that of my uh, <laughs> of, of my work. So. Uh, I was hoping that they had enough technical knowledge to, you know, pull it in and, you know, watch it and stuff. Right, so, right. Uh, but yeah, I would, um, the, the recommendation I would have, uh, I feel like all I was doing is talking about myself, but the recommendation I have is, is make your own path. Don't try to, you know, force uh, somebody else's path. Don't force my path on yours. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of um, 
you know, they say follow your passion, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely, definitely do that. Um, I think what I find, oh, there's a kitty cat. I knew she'd come <laughs> eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what I've, what I've found, and I see a lot of this in the industry, is people come in and they're like, I want to do ride layouts. Like, that's what I want to do. That's what the roller coaster engineer does. Um, and yes, that is true. That is what a roller coaster engineer does. That is about one to two percent of a roller coaster engineer's job. So mm-hmm. if that's all you want to do, just stick it as a hobby and uh, or just keep it as a hobby and no limits. You're going to just find a lot more enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you if you want to uh, be a part of the team and uh, as you know, one of my business partner Larry Bill likes to say, there's a lot of dishwashing in the job. Um, you're you're going to be wearing a lot of hats. You're going to be um, back in his day. He used to use they used to use the phrase "lay the lead." So when you're drafting, you know, with manual pencils, they're like mm-hmm. just you know lay as much lead as possible. Like just create bulk amount of drawings. And so um, you know when we're doing rides, you know we're making you know 500 to 1,000 drawings uh, for each ride. And so it's um, it can be tedious. Uh, everything from the structure to the trains to you know, even all the you know quality control and assembly procedures and stuff like that for all of our trains and mechanical products and things like that that we do, all the drawings for the track. It's a huge amount of work that, um, you know, you end up being a part of the team in a lot of different ways. That's just our company. Uh, and then we work with a lot of like park planners and artists and architects and things like that also that are also part of the team. And, you know, I, I thought I would mostly enjoy the ride layouts, which I really do. Um, but, you know, my, you know, where I really geek out is in the, the cars and the mechanical systems, you know, going back to sixth grade mechanical engineer. It's like, yeah. I just love how all these different things work together. And, um, yeah. you know, there, there's so much innovation uh, that we're doing and that, that R&D is, you know, certainly part that uh, I get really excited about. Um, it's also, you know, in engineering school, you learn a lot about programming and um, however you do a task, if you can automate it, that's a huge deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you're always trying to, you know, you're trying to work smarter and you're like, you know what, I've done this 20 times the same way. Is there a way to automate this? Yeah. Uh, Whether it's, you know, drafting this or doing that. So always kind of keeping that in mind too. So I love tinkering with the programming side of things as well. And, you know, some people out there, um, you're learning, uh, you know, all the different languages and a lot of those languages apply to, you know, process improvements or just ways to optimize, uh, doing stuff. If you look at a wood coaster, the number of pieces on a wood coaster is pretty staggering. Yeah. Pretty much every piece has some type of drawing. So that gives you an idea on the amount of, uh, effort that, uh, that we have, you know, as far as creating drawings and the more, you can automate that the, the better off everybody is. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you have coaster designer, uh, but there's so much more engineering involved with the rides, all the support. There's also, um, which I think is really cool is a lot of our suppliers. Um, they actually work for a number of different manufacturers and parks and they get to work on some really cool projects that, you know, might be even cooler than where I'm at, you know, and so just the variety of products that you earn product projects that you get to work on, 
seek those out too, because those are some really killer jobs that, uh, you know, if you're looking for satisfaction and being able to, you know, be a part of a lot of projects, that's, that's a pretty cool way to do that. Um, you know, whether it's a suppliers for parks for, you know, or even, you know, Disney universal, um, obviously universal and Disney have a lot of engineers that they hire as well. So, um, you know, getting some internships at uh, either manufacturers, um, or at universal and Disney, that's fantastic experience that we would be looking for. Uh, we're also looking for experience outside the industry. I feel like we can learn a lot in our amusement industry from automotive, aerospace, you name it, um, any type of manufacturing. There's a lot of um, reinventing of the wheel that we don't have to do if we can learn from other industries. Um, and then also, um, you know, the park operations and understanding how parks work is a big deal. Um, Brian Kosmak is one of our chief engineers and, uh, he's, he spent, uh, uh, he's going to, he's going to kill me. I don't remember. Um, probably, probably around 15 years he spent at Kings Island in operations. And so he was, he was getting up there in, in, uh, in middle management and, uh, you know, we had, you know, talked to him over the years. He had helped us out on, you know, various things over there and, um, kind of got to the point where he was wanting to get out of you know, working every holiday and every weekend and, uh, you know, working in, you know, something that his degree was in. And so uh, he he had actually just finished up his master's in engineering at uh, University of Cincinnati. Uh, He went to University of Dayton as his uh, undergrad, but he finished that up and, you know, it was like, okay, now's the time to maybe switch over to engineering, um, you know, and so, yeah, we were able to hire him. And uh, he's been fantastic for us. He has a you know, huge passion for wood coasters. He's he's uh, one of our key guys as far as going and looking at uh, and measuring, surveying, scanning, um, you know, existing rides. He's been the chief project on um, on the Beast as well as on Grizzly. So, um, but yeah, just uh, having that that experience also. Um, you know, from a civil engineering point of view, I didn't really touch on that, but. Um, you know, the structural and concrete design, all that kind of stuff is very important, um, you know, for our team. Um, you know, you might be interested more in um, the control side of things. You know, you might have yeah. uh, seen uh, Jared Holiday's uh, project that he did for University of Cincinnati. He had a fully working model coaster uh, that had a control system and everything like that for yeah. a senior project. So. You know, he loved the idea of that part of the of of the um, of the project. He's working for Universal now. Um, you know, we would have picked him up in a heartbeat if we were, you know, if we had that in in our, um, you know, if that was something that we do. We outsource all of our controls. So, um, so the control side of things, uh, it kind of goes on and on. There's you're just kind of like kind of figure out. Uh, sorry if you're really into chemicals. I don't have a great <laughs> you know, chemical engineering or chemistry uh, thing, but maybe, you know, you could be part of the uh, Dippin' Dots or, you know, something like that <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, help us out in that regard. So, but yeah, there's a lot of jobs in the industry that, um, you know, don't limit yourself. Kind of find out, you know, you might be more of an artist. You want to get into, um, you know, ride logo design or concepts, Um down in Cincinnati, we have uh, three different companies that all have a history from uh, the King's Entertainment days. Um, uh, International Theme Park Services, 
uh, Dennis Spiegel and his crew. Mm -hmm. They do park planning all, all over the world. And, uh, you know, they're the ones who are telling the parks, be like, no, you got to have your queue over here or you're interacting mm -hmm. with, you know, this this thing over here. And we want to make sure that the, the ride is, um, you know, really fits in well with this environment. And then you also have uh, BDR Design or Bruce D. Robinson Design Group. They did all the, uh, um, or I shouldn't say all of them. As far as I know, they did a huge amount of the uh, Wild Mouse area up at Cedar Point this year. So a lot, of that signage, so a lot of that yeah. signage all came from Southern Ohio uh, as far cool. as the design goes. I'm not actually sure who manufactures that, but there is a company down here, 3DX Scenic. Mark Rosenzweig works over there. Um, and they do a lot of the theming design. They did a lot of the floats for Cedar Point as well as Kings Island. Ooh. So there's there's so much that you just keep you know keep learning about that are really awesome. Like if you're an artist, you're a painter, you're a sculptor, um, there's a place for you in the industry. Like you know, there's there's definite you know you don't have to be a mechanical engineer to be in the industry by any means. Um, you know all the accounting and all that kind of stuff too. There's plenty of uh, opportunities to, you know, to join passions, I think is probably maybe what I'm kind of getting at is if you have a passion for, um, art and parks, put them together. There's, there's yeah. plenty of opportunities. Um, you know, whether it's graphic design, you know, all the different park, um, you know, I should say most parks have some type of sign department that are creating designs or designing, um, new signs, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I'm going to stop rambling about that. There's a space <laughs> for everybody in the amusement park industry. That sound, just sounds like there's just a lot of paths, and you just broke that down instead of just saying, hey, go to college and submit an application. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm definitely – I mean, I was definitely intrigued by that. So that was, was – Well, yeah, absolutely. not only that, but even if you are an engineer, you got to be well-rounded. Um, it's crazy how much creative writing I do. Like, seriously – like, I'm like, I never thought I would do this, but, you know, I'm trying to describe a ride to a potential customer and, yeah. uh, you know, trying to make a composition about this ride experience and, uh, like, huh, you know, gotta, you know, stretch that muscle that hasn't been stretched for a little while. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, um, you know, we have, we have a lot of different talents on our team and, you know, we, we find out what they haven't mentioned. You know, because that might be one of the key things that we're like, oh, that's a great need that we have at our company. You know, let's utilize that talent that you didn't. Yeah. Would have, huh. you know, brought. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very Good cool. Stuff. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. I got my story. He's got his story. Oh, story. oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, so it's a Cedar Point story. Um my parents never really were into coasters, um, and so we didn't really go earlier. Uh, once we kind of started going on our school trips, which, um, you know, it's it's very different down here in Cincinnati. There, you don't like take too many school trips to Kings Island. It's just not as much of a thing. We're up there. It's like school trip Kings Island or Cedar Point. You know, yeah, you know, for sure. Three four times a year sometimes, or just school I think trips. I took three or, different field trips to Cedar Point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, youth group trips. It's a, it's like okay, who's whose youth groups going to Cedar Point? Let's yep. you know pile yeah. on. Yep. Um. So, um. But yeah, season pass down here. It's like. Uh, let's see, what am I doing for dinner? Should I go home? I'm just going to go to King's Island and pick up dinner. Like, yeah, that is, that's reality down here. Like, yeah, I was like, go get some barbecue. It's like, that's fine. I'll take that on my way home. So mm -hmm. that's the whole season pass 
contrast like between northern and southern ohio it's like everybody down here has a season pass it's like People that aren't coaster enthusiasts down here, everybody just has a season pass. It's just like you hang out there, like you know, you just have events there. Yeah. So, but before I was, um, you know, this this is uh, um, when I was three years old, I figured it out. Um, we went to Cedar Point. Uh, my parents got tickets from somewhere. Uh, I had a, actually some old newspaper clippings from this era. It was like six dollars to get in the park or something like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so, Can you imagine that. Some, I sound really old. Um, <laughs> so I was I was three years old, and um, I didn't I didn't really remember anything um, m- about the park except for two things. One is we rode the mill race. Um, oh, so okay, um, the log flume was where Raptor is now, and um, like that was a big thrilling drop for us as a family, and uh, we just. You know, that was like one of the primary things we wrote. I think that might have been the only thing we wrote. We probably rode the train uh, as well. But um, my parents were kind of like leery about coasters. And so I remember staring at this thing. I, I could have swore it was like 150, 200 feet tall. And I was I remember these single cars going around the curve and then dropping and going up mm-hmm. to the other side. And I was just like. I don't know what that is, but that looks really dangerous and <laughs> really tall. And I'm like, and then I, you know, I, I just kind of packed that memory in my head. Like mm-hmm. 10 years later, I'm like, what ride was that? And mm-hmm. I'm like, that would have had to have been the wildcat. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was immediately like wildcat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it was three year old defense. It looks like, it's still under construction or at least it did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the spindly structure and these big drops in these single cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a chance it could have been the jumbo jet, but no, that wouldn't have been, no, that wouldn't have been single cars. That would have been a train if I'm not mistaken, but I believe that was a train maybe. So yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure it was your database. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, if anybody has more information about the scamper, hook me up. Cause that's like the, like, my uh, mom loved that ride. Or no, oh, she didn't. She loved to watch that ride. I should okay. say she wasn't old <laughs> enough to ride it. Okay. When when it was still around, but what am I looking for? The jumbo jet. No, that was two cars. Two cars per train. So yeah, okay. it was it was definitely Wildcat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that's my research here. That's my story. But we do <laughs> still have a, uh, or my parents, I'm pretty sure, still have a caricature from that day, and it was. Uh, my two brothers and I, they're both older, and uh, we had these we had these matching outfits. I can't believe it. But we had these matching <laughs> outfits. We, uh, it was just like, uh, I don't know, it was like these red, white, and blue shirts and shorts. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we were, I'm sh- yeah, it was awesome. So you just blended in with Corkscrew. That's all it was. Yeah, absolutely. There you you were dressed for the occasion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is ironic because um, Corkscrew would have been there. So yeah. I'm not sure why I was fascinated by Wildcat, but, but I, hey, and then know. in subsequent years, and maybe even that year, I remember going back into frontier town a little bit as well. Yeah. There's, there's so much history with the park and it's just so, yeah. it's so fun. It's fun to reminisce with, with people that, I mean, I'm, I'm 23 years old, you know, the park that I grew up with is largely the same compared to the park my mom grew up with. Right. Where it's different. And, it's yeah. just so much more mm-hmm. different. And it's, it's so cool to hear all the different stories and stuff about the place I grew up at. And it's, it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Magnum, Mean Streak, and Raptor. That was like my era of growing up yeah. in high school and stuff. Wow. And I was so excited when we heard we were getting Raptor because I knew <laughs> I'd seen the stuff about Batman in Chicago. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh man, this is going to be the greatest thing ever, and it's still yeah. fantastic. So it is. I'm it sure. Is. I'm sure you probably learned about Raptor either. Maybe they were still like saying, "Hey, we're going to build this new coaster," or you learned about it probably in may and saying hey we got a brand new coaster because there was no social media there was no you know there, there yeah, was, was just kind of like hey guess what we it. built a coaster <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i heard about it through ace news um okay. probably uh-huh. first um okay. and then i had a um um i believe it was a plain dealer a picture of it when it opened you okay. know it was right in the uh, corks or the uh, zero g roll area and the whole thing flipping with the orange and, yeah. the and everything it was just like oh man this is yeah. this is going to be amazing that was uh, the first coaster con my mom ever did was raptor <laughs> was the oh, raptor fine. open that's just crazy to think like you you're just or a normal coaster guest. mania i'm sorry <laughs> you just you're just a normal guest and you you know you don't know any of this stuff and you literally visit the park and then the next year you go back again and visit the park saying giant and you're green like, oh, wow, what's this thing here what the heck you know yeah <laughs> yeah well there was cool. plenty of media coverage with a lot of that kind of stuff but yeah local. like you said it's usually when the ride opens yeah uh, you know now everything's you know everybody can decode what's going on at this point and yep. the other yeah. parts of the world yeah, yeah for sure good stuff all right yep all right I think there that's going to wrap us up this week. Sorry, I couldn't get it. Uh, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show this week. This was an amazing episode. And that's going to do it for season one of the Rundown on Fun. We're taking the next two weeks off for CoasterCon. That's all I got. Yep. Yeah, just like, like Kyle said, season one has wrapped up with a heck of, fin- of a finale. And thank you again from, to Michael. And um, we're off to CoasterCon next week. And we'll be back with season two after CoasterCon. And make sure you follow us on all the social medias. All right. That's going to do it. Take it away, Justin. Thank you for listening to the Rundown on Fun. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Cedar Fair. As always, be kind to your ride operators, and we will see you on the Midway. Good night.